0: it's the health in the real world podcast it's time to start the show with chris jenke as your
1: host here to give you everything that you need when it comes to fitness strategies we keep it simple and easy it's your roadmap to get healthy you don't need equipment and you don't need a gym just the right strategies to get you fit and trim Hello and welcome to Health in the Real World. I'm Chris Jenke and I'm joined today with Bill Simone. And uh, we're gonna go through his book a little bit. Bill, how's it going today?
0: Very good, Chris, nice to see you.
1: Good, you too, thank you. And I, and I wanna thank you again for sending me your book, um, The Joint, Joint Friendly Fitness. You and I are definitely on the same page. I, uh, you know, My company is called My Core Balance. It's all about core, it's all about flexibility Uh, Safe flexibility and we'll talk about that because you do talk about uh, extreme ranges of motion and how detrimental they can be and uh, And I want to get into this uh, but before we start Bill give us a little background on you and how you How you came to be writing a book and and what are the things you're involved in?
0: Well um, the, the, The well the short story is I'm a personal trainer in Cranberry, New Jersey and I have a small studio that you can see behind me. It's not, not too much more than what you see. Um, and and the, the reason I opened the studio was so I could practice personal training the way I wanted to do it. So, which eventually came to be called joint friendly fitness. Um, I can train people in a big gym or in physical therapy clinics or in their house. But, um, you know, inevitably, Inevitably, the client you're working with or the client I'm working with is doing something a little more moderate than what they see around them, which inevitably led to either friction between me and the other trainers or the clients. And so in order to do it the way I'm comfortable training people, my own studio seemed like the best solution.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, that makes sense. It's not you're not doing like uh, create like the Biggest Loser, you know, yelling no, at people, drill no, no, sergeants. No. It's a little more subtle and controlled.
0: Well, so as essentially as you should say that because I, I've been a I started as a personal trainer in 1983, and you know there were sort of like two 1983. There were really kind of two trainer personalities. One was the drill sergeant of just barking at people. Um, and then, and then there was, for lack of a better term, sort of like a consultant.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: so I lasted about two hours trying to do the drill sergeant thing, <laughs> and uh, um, you know, three or four vomiting clients later on my very first morning, I realized, all right, this is not uh, this is not what I want to do. This is not quite what I thought it was. Um, So, pretty quickly, I figured out why people weren't coming to a personal trainer in 1983. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, So, I immediately backed off and treated everybody as if they'd never been in a gym before and um, took the attitude that, all right, I I happen to have more experience than you with this. I'm going to help you with the workout as opposed to like the sports coach mentality where I'm going to push you through your workout.
1: Got it. Got so, it. So I figured yeah.
0: that out in two hours. It took me another two years to figure out that the reason why people go into personal trainers in 1983 was the fact of the appointment. You know, in New York City in 1983, um, nobody would, no, none, none of the um, the high end clientele who was using personal training at the time, nobody would say I'm going to go work out. But they would say I'm going for a two o'clock meeting. I'll be back at three.
1: <laughs> so the fact
0: of the appointment was critical. That makes um, sense. Yeah. And plus, I, I noticed, um, and, I, and I don't know if, you, if it exists, but there was a wide variety of training styles and quality. And some trainers were busy, you know, trainers who were good were busy, trainers who were terrible were busy, trainers who were into it were busy. Tra- and I was trying to figure out what's the thing in common? You know what, And then it took me, like I said, a couple of years for the penny dropped and I realized it's the appointment.
1: Right. Um,
0: and I think, you know, in spite of the fact that all this personal trans, I think we all want to believe people are coming to us for our uh, brilliance. I think a lot of it is if it's an appointment, the person builds it into their weekly schedule. Right. And that helps them adhere to it.
1: And I think there's a there's an aspect of you know, the trainer has to be good enough. You, you know, you don't, nobody really necessarily wants to go to, or, or, or has to go to the best trainer. I have to find the best trainer. It's like, I'm going to find a trainer that's good enough. Who's going to work with my schedule and I enjoy going to them. They're not going to hurt me. They're going to get me the results. Somebody who, like you said, they're fitting it. They're fitting this person into their life. Like, is this somebody I could spend time with on a weekly basis? Cause that's what everybody knows. Like, I can give you all the fitness information that you want, but until you fit it into your weekly schedule, nothing's going to happen.
0: But that, but that's absolutely the, that's absolutely the difference between a client and non-client. Like on that first day, they talk to you. You know, um, the general fitness media or um, the infomercials would have you believe. You have to bowl them over with your brilliance as a trainer. Right. And really, what that prospective client wants to know is: Is this person going to make me feel uncomfortable? Are they going to harass me? Are they going to, you know, um, are they going to be obnoxious? They just want to know if, if can I tolerate this person in my life twice a week or three times a week or whatever it is. Right. Right. Um, for the most, for the most part, I think you know there's some. I I I do have some people coming to me specifically to learn this um but i think as far as the business of personal training most people need the help fitting it into their lifestyle Um, not necessarily converting their lifestyle to a you know seven day a week 24 hour day fitness um junkie
1: right right so is that the advice you would give somebody uh just starting out uh, as far as getting healthy and fit just find something that you can fit into your lifestyle and you know, find somebody that you can, you know, kind of jive with to, to walk with you. Or what would be the first thing you would tell somebody?
0: Well, you know, I, I, I pretending to be diplomatic, I, I, I usually say something like, "You should do what you will do." Uh
1: oh, like,
0: like 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 what I do here with machines and free weights and cardio uh, ergometers and assisted stretching, whatever. That's a way to do it. But if for whatever reason, that's not for you, you should do what you will do. Um, and and I've, had, I've had prospective clients tell me over the years, look, I hate lifting weights, but I really enjoy walking. I said, well, make the time in your week to walk then. You know, I mean, I mean commerce aside, that's the real answer, right? I mean, they should do what they will do. Now, if they go out and get banged up doing that, if what they will do is no no brand names, but if it's a type of boot camp right. and they get more injured than they get in shape, that's a different question right but in terms of in ter- in the in terms of the like the raw question, how should people get in shape? You should find the thing that you will do and do it regularly
1: hundred right. so percent there's yeah, there's thousands of ways to get fit like pick pick two, you know.
0: The other other thing too is the perfect routine that takes you hours to do and you get sore and discouraged and you don't go back to it for a month is not nearly as good as a vanilla routine you do regularly. Right, right. So, yeah, don't be too overambitious when you're starting a routine.
1: I agree 100%. I, uh, I listen to Tony Robbins a lot and I know he has a, he's talking about this and he says, you know, so many people get caught up with trying to find the perfect trainer, the perfect program. And uh, he was talking to a woman who I guess was like 50 pounds overweight. He said, uh, you know, no disrespect, ma'am, but you just need to hire somebody to stand behind you and yell, run. You know, you don't need like the best. <laughs>
0: well, so, you know, and long before Tony Robbins, somebody said the perfect, the perfect is the enemy of the good.
1: Yeah, I agree right? with
0: that. The prospect of the perfect plan is the biggest obstacle to just executing a good plan.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, and, um, and even just getting started in in what you would call a good plan, you know, little by little, you'll, you'll iterate, you'll change subtle things. I'm sure since 1983, you've started to do things differently. And, and that's not a big sweeping change all at once. It's probably just one little, little change and go, oh, maybe I can do this a little bit better. And then before you know it, you know, 35 years later, you're doing something that maybe looks completely different, right?
0: Well, that's if you as the if you as the trainer or as the exerciser are paying attention, yes. that's what happens. Yes. If you're if you're still determined to bench press at fifty five, but you bench press at twenty five, or this is what worked for me at twenty five, I have to do this at fifty five, otherwise I can't get in shape, that's just gonna lead to frustration.
1: Right. That's a that's a, that's I, just a if, and I know that <laughs> speaking from firsthand experience, right, I definitely I have done it. I completely
0: the, know that. Yes. <laughs> I hundred
1: percent. Me too. Me too. Uh, yeah, I, I grew up as an athlete. I played football, basketball, baseball, soccer. And in my, uh, I'd say in my late, even up to late twenties, early thirties, I was still falling victim to that. Like I, you know, I'm going to work out the same way I did when I was 14. It, it doesn't work. It, it just no. doesn't work. It will get you injured. But um, that's a good segue, because I want to talk about your book a little bit. Uh, Again, it's uh, Joint Friendly Fitness. And I wanted to go to these diagrams. These diagrams are great. Um, There we're, hold on, bear with me. There we go. Okay, so you have four, a lot of exercises like this, where you have four images. And you have the, uh, the extreme start, which is, which is an X, you don't do that. This is a very you know stretched out range of motion that's very bad on the elbows. You have the optimal start, you have the optimal finish, and you have the extreme finish. I really like this, you're, you're, you're keeping the range of motion tight, you're keeping it controlled, you're not getting overzealous or overextending people, and you break it down into all the different body parts, you know, forearms, uh, trunk, cardio, stretching, what were you? Were you always thinking in these terms, or, or, or is this something that over the years you've sort of developed? Because I find that a lot of trainers aren't necessarily thinking about the range of motion and how to really optimize it for joint integrity and longevity. So how did that? How did that come about?
0: Well, it's not just a lot of trainers. It's it's. Um, well, for me, how it came about was in 1998. I ruptured my own biceps and triceps training and um i had been a trainer since 1983 and i'd been working out for say 10 years before that and i was certified and so so i wasn't inexperienced and un, untrained uh, or un, un, uh, uneducated as far as this went so um so in 1998, I ruptured a biceps and the triceps. Um, I, for whatever reason, I skipped all my exercise material and I went to uh, friends of mine's physical therapy bookshelves, anatomy, biomechanics, kinesiology, and uh, so I was trying to figure out what what was wrong, what went wrong, and what I what I put together was that a lot of what I had been doing in the name of exercise really contradicted um, safe joint function um, and safe joint muscle function, at least according to the biomechanics and kinesiology textbooks, you know, if you trust them. Um, And most of my, you know, in spite of the certifications, in spite of whatever college courses I took in it, most of what I, and I think my peers, What we knew about exercise came from the muscle magazines at the time or um, some of the trade paperbacks that were out at the time. And especially guys my generation were influenced by the Nautilus training style, which used to emphasize a full range of motion. And when you take that at a context, it, turn, it can turn into an extreme range of motion. Um, so while the phrase "a full range of motion" isn't necessarily bad, especially if you determine, if you explain what that range should be. But when you take it, especially with a weight to an extreme range, um, nobody had nobody that I'd found had explored the, the consequences of doing that. so um, so, so just as a for instance, with the ruptured biceps and triceps, that at the time the thinking was not to repair them, which is a separate long story. Um, there were some exercises that I didn't miss. I, I was just as strong before the rupture as after the rupture, rupture. And then there were some exercises that I couldn't even get into position. Hmm. It struck me as like, well, something's not right here, Why, Like, for instance, I couldn't do a concentration curl or triceps kickback, but a regular standing curl and triceps press down, I had no no trouble with. Hmm.
1: Interesting.
0: So that kind of led, that definitely led me away from the muscle magazine, um, you know, training the muscle at different angles and, and, you know. Shaping the muscle and strengthening different joint angles by your exercise selection—it right. definitely led me away from that and deeper into the biomechanics books, where you realize that there are predictable muscle torque curves,
1: mm-hmm.
0: whether you train a range of motion or not, and right. that if you, you know if you load the extreme—and I don't mean just move into the extreme—I mean load it with an external weight.
1: Yeah,
0: there are things like impingements. There are insufficiencies. Um, there are, like in the shoulder, you can be binding the ligaments and and actually stretching them, but not in a good way. The right. way that creates joint laxity. Um, so, basically, this started in 1998. After about three or four years of that, I put together. Um, I put together this called Moment Arm Exercise, which was my first attempt. That was basically my notes for my own training um, put together in a manual. And it found a little bit of an audience among guys my age who had had the same, they all read between the lines what I didn't say in here. And they knew exactly what I was referring to. So it gave me a little bit of credibility among a certain niche of trainers. But, but I read this now and I know this is very, it's very overwritten. It's, it's Mm. again, it wasn't, it wasn't written to be read. It was written as my notes to myself. Right. Gotcha. So then I did some, some YouTube based on that. And YouTube led to some presentations at seminars and such. And then, um, that feedback led to a few years later, another book, Congruent Exercise, um, which I deliberately tried to make a little more current so that in 2012, people who are familiar with stuff in the fitness world could read it and, and get the context. And that led to video, more seminars, etc. And then a couple of seminars I gave, I, um, I did notice when I, when I would do a seminar, if I would start explaining the anatomy and biomechanics and then try to relate it to exercise, I would lose the audience, completely glaze over. They, they, they suspected I was onto something, but that was not the way to present it. And then in 2014, I said, let me try something different. And instead of giving a presentation like the conference room, I went into the gym and had a few people do a few exercises. And then I said, okay, Here's a, this is how I would coach the exercise, and here's why. And then if you explain the anatomy and biomechanics, I could see it clicked a lot better. So so that's why in, in, in Joint Friendly, the, the exercise picture is a first with a big X and a big check mark in case it's not subtle enough. <laughs> and then I have bullet points and then paragraphs underneath that. And then if the person really wants to get a little more in depth, they get flipped in the back to the biomechanics section where I discuss these joints, um, because you know I'm not an, I'm not an academic, so I don't have a captive audience. Right. You know, yeah. you know you, you, you break you break open an academic textbook, and you go to like a, a lecture by a, a academic professor. Well, they have a captive audience for what? Twelve weeks, sixteen weeks. They can take forever to get to the point. Their right. audience has to stay with them. But if you're selling a book to a non-academic audience, you've got to get to the point quickly. So people want to go into a gym and lift weights. If you don't get to the point quickly, they're just not going to wade through all the, the biomechanics jar. So, so that's why I laid it out the way it is with the exercise pictures first, a little bit of information, and then in the back, this way if someone really wants to pick it apart, they can look at the biomechanics I was referencing.
1: Nice. So, um, so Bill, summarize just for everybody, um, sort of big picture, like what, what to expect going through this book, like, you know, over the course of, let's say, three to six months. What do they expect once they buy this book? By the way, is, it on, is this available on Amazon?
0: Yes. Yeah, okay. it's, it's too efficient to not. Yeah,
1: exactly. So, so they buy the book on Amazon. What what do they expect over the next uh, three to six months?
0: Well, so first, um, the people I'm trying to uh, the people I'm trying to reach at the moment with this book are experienced exercisers with new aches and pains. So this is not. I'm not promising to make you a you know, a fitness influencer, well, not a fitness influencer, so, but this is not about, this is not about, um, no, this is not flash. This is about training over a lifetime. So um, probably people around your age and up who've been doing their workout all along and now are experiencing uh, shoulder pain, back pain, hip pain, maybe not severe enough to go to the doctor for, but um, if you're wondering if your exercise selection is contributing to it, you're probably right. Mm-hmm. And you know what I envision is people when they, they like they had the look inside feature on Amazon, so you can see what the pages look like. So I envision people going through the star ratings and seeing where their fa- favorite exercises fall, and then um, going to the actual exercise itself and saying, okay, you know, am I do if if someone's shoulder hurts and they're doing the x position in the push-up or the chest press where your elbows are far back behind the plane of your uh, torso right well if they simply cut down to the ranges the optimal ranges i demonstrate in here um hopefully within a couple of months they're no longer feeling that discomfort in, in whatever joint is bothering them um right so that's why experience exercise you know if you notice um whether it's bodybuilding, martial arts, it's yoga, up until age 40 or so, everybody involved is gonna kick everybody's ass. They're gonna be the baddest, badass in the world, right? right? And around age 40, the injuries and the aches and pains start piling up, right? And then the martial artists decide to get into the internal, internal martial arts and the yoga guys start modifying the poses. Yep. And the bodybuilders start dropping, they start dropping the press behind the neck and the, and the bench press to the throat. Right. Um, but there's all, there's all legitimate reasons why to do that.
1: Right, absolutely.
0: Um, so so, the, so again, that, that, that exerciser with new aches and pains might find the answer in here. Uh, got it. And if not, they'll at least know where to look for the answer. So, got it, got um, it. And then the other, you know, after, after that group, the other group is, I really have in mind is people who drop out of health clubs. Mm. Like here in the studio, uh, I would say most of the clients here come. It is the appointment, but they could also have an appointment in a big gym. They're just not comfortable trying to sort out the machines. Gotcha. And frankly, they don't want to get hurt. They don't want to go. They don't want to go on a machine and, and hurt themselves on the machine. They're smart enough to figure it out. They just they just would rather not. It's just they'd rather spend their time elsewhere. Right. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, it's not, it's, not, it's not a real sexy pitch unless your back, your knees, your hips, your shoulders hurt. Then, right. then people see the value of it.
1: <laughs> right. Well, yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's, that's very well thought out. It, it is good for, like you said, people like me. I, I'm 41 and been working out my whole life. And this is, you know, it, like you said, it's a very common sense approach. It's just simple. You open the book, there's the four pictures. So I want to encourage people to check out this book, uh, get it on Amazon. And uh, Bill, I really want to thank you for, for joining me today. Any, any final words before we, before we cut out today?
0: Well, I mean, the, um, I also, um, you know, there's a look inside feature on Amazon, so people can look through. Um, I, I think I sent you a link. I do a newsletter every week where I either elaborate on something from the book or, Elaborate on some of the references I used to put the book together. Um, so, uh, what's the uh, what's
1: the best way to to get in touch with you? You have a, a website, social media.
0: You know, pro- probably LinkedIn is the best. Like where 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 we met. That's probably the most yeah. direct way.
1: Okay, sounds uh, good. You know, right. the other
0: um, the other social media. There's so much. Uh, there's a lot of clutter on on all social media. Yeah. But uh, LinkedIn is probably the best way.
1: Sounds good. Well, Bill, hey, I really appreciate you joining me today uh, and love to hopefully have you back uh, sometime in the future.
0: Thanks for listening to the Health and the Real World show. Make sure to like and
1: subscribe and comment down below. Visit mycorbalance.com
0: to learn more.